Costello and welcome to the latest episode of Film Fives with me, Russell Guyver, and, and me, Phil Newman. Excellent. And we are meeting face in a pub, face to face for the first time. So if you well, hear any back, anyway. if you hear any background noise, then and we will be interrupted with our <laughs> our uh, meal at some point. And but yes, yes, yes. wonderful. So yeah, we're actually in the same room together for the first time <laughs> with chance. a beer sat up a lovely pub in London. It's great. Yes, although I should mention I'm actually having a pint of orange juice because I'm feeling rather the worst. Because it was someone's fiftieth birthday party last yes, night. Yes, yes, it was. So I had quite a lot to drink. I shall be divulging later uh, <laughs> some, some of the stories. No, I won't actually. But no, that, it's probably no, not it's, a good idea. It's good fun, but I will be partaking of a beer later. But um, I think I'm going to take it easy to start with. As we talk through today's subject, it's the seventh episode, take seven, yes. and we're back onto directors. First repeat kind of theme yeah. uh, coming back this time. We've done in the past uh, Hitchcock on our very first episode, Yes. and here we are now with another uh, director. Uh, we've gone with... Mr Ang Lee, who I, I think is probably the most eclectic director that you can possibly think of. He's uh, uh, quite an interesting choice, and it's been, it's been great watching his films, because... Yeah. There's no two that are quite, well, uh, once you get past the first three, which we'll go into, there are no two that are quite alike. They're all very, very, very different films. Yeah. And yeah. I'm looking forward to uh, going deep on Mr. Lee. Yeah, definitely. Indeed. Yeah, I mean, he probably came to fame more with, I think, for some people with The Wedding Banquet and Eat Drink Man. Yeah. And some people knew about it from there. If they didn't already, they tended to by the time Crouching Tiger came out, which yes. was a big hit, I think, wasn't it? Yeah. And, um, and then, as you said, he's really diversified quite significantly from there. He's done he? a bit of everything. He's yeah. done superhero movies, yeah. art house movies, yeah. blockbusters. Yeah. yeah. The whole world. Yeah. <laughs> it's all there. Absolutely mad. Um, but, yeah, I mean, he's... Uh, yeah, a, a director that's interesting to listen to, uh, to watch, sorry, and um, I think yeah, it's a real mix, yeah, and I've, I think we may have very similar uh, choices. But I'm expecting it too, yes. We'll, we'll find out in due course. Yeah. So uh, if I may, do, I'll do a, a little introduction yeah, on please uh, do. Mr Ang Lee. So he was born in Taiwan in 1954, his parents having moved from mainland China following the end of the Chinese Civil War in 1949, of which I know very, very little. Um, his, he was doing okay at school and when he got to high school and his dad was the headmaster of the high school that he attended and was a, quite a hard taskmaster <laughs> by all accounts. When Ang failed his university entrance exams, not once but twice, I think daddy's disapproval came down quite hard. He um, entered uh, the uh, National Arts School, this is in, obviously in Taiwan, um, he developed an interest in drama whilst at college, and after graduating, he had to go and do his military service in the Chinese Navy, um, and then he moved to the US where he did a bachelor's degree in theatre with plans to become an actor. Obviously, being from Taiwan and speaking Mandarin he, and not a lot of English, he struggled a bit when he was uh, at acting classes and ended up moving to directing and enrolled at the uh, Tisch School of Arts at NYU where he studied film production and one of his classmates was actually Spike Lee, which I oh, didn't right. know. I can't, I can't imagine two more disparate directors, really, to be perfectly honest. But I think they worked together at a yeah. uh, university, which is fascinating, yes. Yeah. Um, after, uh, after graduating from there, he had a long six years of being completely unemployed. Um, his wife, who's a doctor, is a molecular biologist, and he ended up becoming a house husband and spent the time 
looking after the kids and uh, writing screenplays. He submitted two of his screenplays into a uh, Chinese government competition and they came first and second. One, one of them was Pushing Hands, which became his first film, and the other, The Med Wedding Banquet, which became his second film in uh, 91 and 93 respectively. And uh, from then, it was pretty much everything moving forwards. And I hope you can't hear all the crashing in the background. <laughs> yes, we're quite close to the kitchen. We've ordered some food, which they're no doubt making, but clattering a load of uh, mm. cutlery around. And so hopefully not too distracting. Uh, the joys of being in the pub, eh? Yes, yes, Cheers. So, exactly. Cheers. 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 <laughs> so, yes. Um, and uh, I think that, that's pretty much it. I mean, he's an incredibly eclectic CV, although when you look at it, you think he's just moved from this to this to this with little linking it. But I've, I've, I've been watching a lot of his films and there's a bit more in common that you, than you might expect. Um, since... His, he did three films in his native Taiwan to begin with. Um, they're known as the Father Knows Best trilogy, although they have, they have one actor playing different parts all the way through, but uh, for the most part, they're sort of different things following similar themes. Since, since those, those original three Taiwanese films, since sort of moving to Hollywood, so to yeah. speak, he's made 11 movies, nine of which are based on books. <laughs> And they're very, very often based on short stories, yeah. okay. which means that he can concentrate on character and have these beautiful vistas and, and everything else that comes with his package. They're not massively complex, his films. They might appear it on the surface, but when you actually really look into it, there's, yeah. it's, it's, all, it's mainly all about concentration on character. And all of his films are beautiful, absolutely beautiful. So we... Uh, yeah. An, in, an interesting choice and I look forward to going into it yeah it's, it's good yeah he is a very visual director and I do like that in generally pretty much all the time when it comes to, to films you want the director to have a, a viscerality to him uh, you want it to be uh, really just embracing and uh, just immersing itself in the in this uh, form this, this art form which is a visual essentially a visual function isn't it um, and yeah, his films are all very beautiful, and um, as you said, it's a real mix of things. Yeah, um, I can't say I've enjoyed every single one, but no. there's something to like in, my, in, my, in, in, in all of them. Yeah, he does it. Uh, largely, it's character pieces, isn't yes. it? Though, um, we would say Hulk, maybe a little bit less so. <laughs> but, uh, Gemini Man, yeah, Gemini. I watched that recently. And it was, I thought, sci fi action, uh, that's, that's me all over, and that's by Ang Lee, that's going to be fantastic. Yeah. Will Smith. And it was pretty dreadful. Oh, okay, really. fair enough. I haven't seen that one. So <laughs> You're not missing a great yeah, deal. I think I'll continue. It's to not in the top that. five. That'll be the last time yeah. we mention it, I yeah. imagine. Well, speaking of which, what we do have in the top five is, um, well, I think I said probably some yes. very similar ones. For me, I think it's my turn to go first, isn't it, this week? Um, or this month? Yes. Um, I've gone at number five with a film that's had a lot of coverage um, when it was released. Um, it dealt with certain subject matters which I don't think it had been dealt with in quite that way before. Um, it, co it kind of coincides a bit with the theme we've done before, Westerns as well. Yes. It's Brokeback Mountain. Oh, fantastic film. So, I mean, I'll just do a quick intro and then you might want to elaborate on yes, this yeah, uh, yeah, a bit yeah, more, sure. Phil, because you've done more research this week for sure. <laughs> you've been a busy man have turning 50. <laughs> Indeed. Well, I mean, the general premise is Ennis and Jack are two shepherds who develop a sexual and emotional relationship. Their relationship becomes complicated when both of them uh, get married to their respective girlfriends. So, there's a, and yeah. yeah, 
Yeah, that's it. The story. So the story runs from 1963 to 1983. Yeah. Um, and I think a lot of people concentrate on Heath Ledger and Jake Gyllenhaal as the two mm. male leads, but uh, Anne Hathaway and Michelle Williams as, as their respective wives are, I think, equally as good. I think the four of them are absolutely fantastic, considering yeah. they're all quite young. They're all yeah, sort of early mid twenties when they made this. It's an astonishing piece of work. Yeah. So it's adapted by a short story uh, of the same name by uh, Annie Prue. Um, I think, believe it or not, Gus Van Sant attempted to make the film with uh, Matt Damon and Joaquin Phoenix. Mm. Yeah. Not quite sure what that would have looked like. Might have been, mm, could be quite interesting. <laughs> he's, he's covered the subject before. I think he's a gay director himself, hasn't he? But he, he's covered the subject before, I think, in other films. Uh, Gus yeah, Van Heart Milk, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Which I think he made in the end. Yeah. I think Ang Lee was drawn into the sort of the authentic rural American life and yeah. the repression. I mean, it, it, it is a couple of hours of repression. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's pretty much it. Yeah. But it's a, it's a fantastic <laughs> film. I, I, I heartily agree. Yeah, and I mean, so Ang Lee's obviously t- t- Taiwanese, um, spent time uh, abroad before going to America, and but, you know, that's his adopted country, I guess you'd say. And um, yeah, it's a different take on the Western, I suppose. You could, yeah. could argue, as much as it is a Western. Um, it's dubbed as the gay cowboy film. That was right. a lot of American kind of conservative outlets made lots and lots and yeah. lots of jokes about it, and the American yeah. Christian groups yeah. really went after it. I think it upset quite a few people because it's pushing buttons. Good, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah. It's pushing buttons. It's got you know, it's the it's the, the very epitome of the American sort of heterosexual masculine yeah. world, isn't it? The Western. It is, yeah. 100%. And it's kind of tapping into that and it's 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 uh, shaking it up a bit, which is fine, great. <laughs> it's good. It's and of course, Heath Ledger's uh, the late Heath great Ledger's actor. Heath incredible, I think. A short yeah. career before he tragically yeah. died. Uh, this was one of his later films, wasn't yeah. it? Yeah, he, he plays Ennis. Mm. I think he was yeah. offered, do you want Ennis or Jack? And he went for Ennis and he, yeah. he thought that was one thing he could really kind of identify with. I think he grew up around horses and, mm. in Australia. and Yeah. Um, yeah, that, and the chemistry between him and Jake Gyllenhaal is is, is electric. It's, it's, there's no there's no faking. I mean, they were friends before the film, but the two of them, you, you believe absolutely everything that's going on. Yeah, and um, interesting. Just one thing to mention for me as well is um, later on down the line, there's a British film by a very interesting director. I've forgotten his name actually, but um, he made a film which I think is called God's Own Country, which oh, has yes, a very yeah. similar film, a theme in, in the sense of farmers. Yes, yeah. One of them's come in to do some some work. I think he's an international yeah. sort of uh, incomer coming in to do some kind of seasonal work or whatever it is. And then uh, the, the, the younger of the generations in the family has a relationship with him. And yeah. it's got oh, okay. a lot of similarities in terms of this kind of Denying themselves, yeah, what they are, and that kind of thing, and it's it, it's an interesting, I think, an interesting subject that's obviously been revisited by by him in that that film, which I recommend. A really good film. It's got the guy in it who plays Prince Charles in The Crown. Oh, okay. Again, I can't remember the name. I should have looked that up in advance. But um, I, yeah, recommend that. It's, that's pretty decent as well. It's um, but, yeah. So I've got it's yeah. a, as we were sort of saying, it's a real character piece. Yeah, there's there's not much action. It's, you follow these four these four characters, yeah. and and you see what happens in their over their, in their lives yeah. over the course of twenty years as yeah. as, as they mm. get older and yeah. 
and it, it's you can't take your eyes off it. It's it's incredibly well acted, incredibly well directed. I mean, it's set in Wyoming. Mm-hmm. It looks absolutely beautiful. It was actually filmed in Alberta in Canada because it was cheaper. Oh right. But even though, so they're sheep handlers, and they, they and in Alberta they, they they don't let them people kind of graze sheep there. So every single day, and they're worried about disease. So every single day, they'd have to bust these sheep in, film with them, <laughs> but count every single one back in, and then bust it back out again, and then bring it back the next day for filming. <laughs> you think the things that go into these films is uh, is absolutely unbelievable. Yeah. I mean, all of the cast they stayed in trailers on set in Alberta, and they kind of created this sort of summer camp yeah. like uh, yeah. thing where they'd all go fishing and then bond over the fire together. Yeah. And and. And as we said, the chemistry between everybody in yeah. it is, is incredible. Yeah, I mean, it, as, as we're saying, Ang Lee's very much about character-led pieces, and the, the acting's obviously therefore going to be very important. And I do agree, all four of the main leads in this in this film, if you can call them that, um, are all exceptional. And I'm not sure, I'd forgotten Anne Hathaway was in it actually. Yeah, yeah, she was very young then. Yeah. yeah, and I don't know if that must have been one of her first roles. Yeah, and no, Michelle, I think she was. Yeah, yeah, it was. was yeah, she's obviously, and um, that again was maybe. It was her first role, but it was certainly the one that escalated into yeah. uh, the next level of category of star, I guess. Um, and yeah, yeah I mean, it's exceptional all round. Yeah, really, really solid drama. It's um, so when it came to the Oscars, um, it lost to Crash, Ooh. not the David Cronenberg Crash, the Paul the Haggis Crive drama, the other one won. Mm. And I think that was a real start of when the Academy came under a lot of. Uh, criticism mm-hmm. as they uh, for basically being homophobic mm-hmm. and they wouldn't allow a gay cowboy film to win best doctor uh, best, yeah. best 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 film and I, th- I think that's really really sad um, yeah absolutely yeah. it's a better film than crash i, I don't mind crash yeah, and lee won best director it's worth mentioning uh, yes. one of his two best director uh, yes. wins um i mean I'm not an expert on the subject, but from as I understand it, it's been lauded. It's quite a landmark film in LGBT cinema, and it's kind yeah. of influenced a lot of shows, a lot of film scenes, and broken down quite a lot of barriers that were there before, and things on screen now that you can watch now that seem quite normal that yeah. before uh, Brokeback Mountain weren't quite acceptable. Yeah. Well, another thing actually, we, in the past episode we talked about Tom Hanks, and one of the films we touched on was. Philadelphia, yeah, of course, yeah. he's playing a gay, gay character, and I think at the time there was criticism of not casting a gay, a gay actor in yeah. the role, which, to me, I think, kind of, it's acting. It's not. Yes. It's not a, a yeah. game for a job, and you need to have, and to actually understand that you, you know, it's it's it seemed I think a bit harsh to criticise that element. I'm not sure if the same kind of criticism then befell Brokeback Mountain a few, quite a few years later when that came out. I don't remember. I don't, I don't recall it yeah. so much. Because I don't no. think that should be an issue. I do agree when something like disability roles. Yes. Uh, I think you should certainly be yeah, someone who will under, understand yeah. that a lot better. Because that's more to do with the fact they may not get the work. Yes. And there's a chance for them to get the work that they may not be able to do in other roles. But with, with this, I didn't think it was a problem particularly. I mean, the point of, no. point of it is... Well, it's com- utterly convincing. Exactly. Yeah, I mean, it got it only got a very, believe it or not, it, despite all the um, Oscar nominations, it only got a very limited release in the US. In the UK and France, it did exceptionally well. Um, Ang Lee's films have traditionally always done well in China. Him being of yeah. Chinese descent, I don't want to get into the whole Taiwan-China debate, but yeah. um, he's always done well in China. 
because of the subject matter, it did not get a release in China at all. Also, didn't get a release uh, in the Middle East. Um, I think Lebanon was the only Arab country that were allowed to show it, and it was heavily censored so much so that it didn't really make a great, great, great deal of sense. Yeah. And oh, I think that's sad. Um, one thing that also makes me really, really sad is that the author of the original short story, Annie Brew, she now regrets ever having written it because she's, had, she's been sent so much fan fiction yeah. and so many letters and correspondence from males uh, saying, uh, you don't understand men properly, I'm going to fix your story for you, it should actually be like that. She's got really, really, really fed up with it and wish she'd never done it. And I'm like, <laughs> it's, I think that's really sad because it's a beautiful, beautiful, tragic gorgeous uh, piece of work and yeah. and it's it's probably the most moving of all of his films mm, absolutely final footnote for me on it um, one bit of trivia I found when I was looking up uh, it's quite amusing one of one of the searches related to this film is did they really kiss in Brokeback Mountain and um, it says the on screen kiss while the men might have been a little shy about the kiss off screen Heath Ledger reportedly nearly broke Jake Jin on false nose during the kissing scene. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, apparently so. So there we go. I presume that means uh, it just went in a bit too quickly. <laughs> yes. Uh, but um, bizarre. So, yes, it does appear they did. Yeah. Kiss, which is, again, part of the job, isn't it? Um, anyway, yeah, that's, that's pretty much it for yeah. me. A great film. If you haven't seen it, don't be put off by the subject matter. No. Just drink in the characters and the scenery and you will have uh, and you'll be quite upset afterwards yeah I don't want to give away too many spoilers but uh, a gay cable film set in the 60s and 70s never going to have a happy ending unfortunately yeah. uh, that's right but it's yeah it's certainly worth watching I think any film on any subject is uh, is worth seeing if it's if it's good if it draws you in and this one yeah. certainly does and um, yeah, I, I, I'm guessing you've got it somewhere in your top five to be. It might, later. it might be coming up, making just, an appearance. Just by the amount of notes you've yes. made. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I've got my, my words of notes. I, in I can front see of your me. workings this time. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, excellent. So that's my number five. What have you got, Phil? So for my number, I had a bit of a debate that I had. I kind of had a top four mm. that I was pretty much nailed on, and, and it's probably a similar, yeah. similar ones to yourself. And then I had about another three films that would come in a top five. Yeah. Um, and then in the end, I, I, I enjoyed all three of them kind of well, pretty much the same. And I um, went for the one that I wanted to talk about the most, hmm. which is Lust Caution. Oh, yes. Which is a different kind of film. Um, so set during World War II, uh, during the Japanese occupation of Hong Kong and Shanghai, a group of Chinese students plot to assassinate a high-ranking official working for the puppet government, uh, played by Tony Leung, um, by using one of their group, an attractive woman, played by Tang Wai. And I, if I'm pronouncing things wrong, yes. and this is going to happen a lot <laughs> yeah, during this episode, this. <laughs> this I apologise profusely. Um, <laughs> especially as I drink more beer. <laughs> so they want to sort of lure him into a honey trap and kill him, uh, loosely based on real events, and again, based on another short story, as we mentioned earlier, this time by Eileen Chang, although Ang Lee actually adapted the story himself. Yeah. And th this is, so this is a bit of history I know very, very, very little about. Yeah. Same. Although it's also quite familiar. So if you've seen the film, the Paul Verhoeven film, Black Book, about the mm -hmm. sort of Nazi occupation of Holland. Yes. Yeah. 
it's very, very similar, but this time it's the... Uh, oh, food's oh, coming, food's really coming. Excellent. Pause. Lovely. Thank you very much. Cheers. Superb. We're doing a pause. Um, yeah, we, yeah, we'll probably pause, but just very quickly to explain, we're having our food Sunday lunch, recording this, and we've both gone for the railway land. Sounds great. <laughs> yes, please. Yes, please. Cheers. Um, so we are now going to pause to eat this food, yes. and then we'll come back and discuss a little bit more about Lust Caution after that. Right, well those were pretty good, weren't they? That was wonderful. <laughs> Thoroughly recommended. I've never had an Indian roast meal before. It was it was great. It was absolutely banging. I'm <laughs> Railway. I'm energised, ready now to Railway win. land. Apparently something to do with um, the railway system. They introduced that dish somewhere for yeah. the railway workers. For what it's worth. Anyway, we were talking about Lust Caution. We were talking we were. about Lust so, Caution. So, um, well, so really, like, yeah, so interrupted. <laughs> yes, so um, like a lot of um, Ang Lee's films, a lot of um, the titles are plays on words in Chinese that we don't really understand. It's the same for Eat, Drink, Man, Woman. It's the same for Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon. It's also the same for Lust Caution. Um, the characters for Lust and Caution are actually can also be read as the words colourful and ring, which is a, uh, a pivotal object in the story mm. and quite a lot of these little plays of words just don't translate whatsoever into English but uh, yeah um, I'm a big so going in um, I'm a big Tony Leung fan um, yes he, I mean, me too yeah you probably know him from In the Mood for Love yeah. I know him from Bullet in the Head and Hard Boiled <laughs> so yeah, Infernal Affairs 1, 2 and 3 yeah yes. that, those are all good films right? and Hero and Red Cliff yeah yeah I'm used to seeing him as either a you know Kung Fu Grandmaster or or a policeman or a gangster yeah I'm, I'm used to any of those so it's quite it, and he's absolutely exceptional in this film and um, Tang Vai as well um, she is absolutely amazing in, in, in this as well um so, the elephant in the room, um, there is a large, se- se- not so much as in Brokeback Mountain, but there's a large sexual element to this film. It's about as graphic as you could probably get in uh, cinema releases, I, I think. Yeah, I would say that's uh, a safe bet to say. <laughs> <laughs> yes, very explicit, talking about actors having to do things for the job. <laughs> yes. Apparently these sort of things are never actually... Uh, Great, I think they're always rather awkward. Yeah, I think. but uh, fair apparently they, they shot for a hundred hours of sex scenes to just put ten minutes worth in the film, all <laughs> just, of just which were edited them. out in quite a lot of countries. <laughs> so another thing going on. Yeah, I think Ang Lee had to go through. He had to cut something like eight minutes or something out out of the uh, Chinese version because yeah. Chinese China has no rating system. Mm. You go and watch a film, and there's no classification. A film oh. is a film. So um, he had to take quite a lot out of it. So it is pretty much the top rated um, rating that you can get in pretty much every country. Uh, so in America, it got the sort of dreaded NC-17 rating, which is pretty much the death knell for the box office because it means very few people will actually go and see it. Mm. Uh, it made no money whatsoever in, 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 in in America but it did well in the rest of the world I mean Hong Kong it was the third highest grossing film for the year behind Spider-Man and Harry Potter mm. which yeah a b- best part of three hour yeah World War 2 epic um, is uh, yeah, yeah amazing I mean it was the, something like the fifth highest grossing film in China even though like 
eight minutes of it being cut out. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a brilliant film. It's, it's, it's an era of history I know very, very little about. Yeah. It was really kind of interesting to sort of be submerged into it. Um, it it feels, yeah, it, it's, it's a, a really, really, really interesting film. Um, and it doesn't always quite go where you expect it to go. Yeah, which is very much the case, definitely. And uh, again, it's, yeah, he pushes the boundaries a bit, doesn't he? He's not. It's weird. Really, yeah. I don't really think of him as a controversial director, and yet he does seem to be pushing the uh, envelope a bit, doesn't he? And um, he doesn't shy away essentially from elements of a yeah. story that might be kind of brushed over, perhaps, by other directors. Yeah. Mm. But it's a good film, very good film. It's quite long, isn't it? I think it's it is. It's that time. two hours forty minutes yeah. or something like that, and it could be short. It's part, yeah, possibly. I mean, a lot of it's set. It's set in Hong Kong to begin with. It's set in Shanghai, but just seeing those kind of those cities in the late 30s I think it's 1938 in Hong Kong 1942 in Shanghai something like that yeah. just seeing those places at those times it's fascinating it's a whole world which I, I mean I've been to Hong Kong yeah. I've visited it it looks very different now obviously <laughs> um, yeah, it's great I, I agree I, I love those films period pieces that they've done well with the style and that, particularly that era, that part of the world in that era is quite, yeah. I find quite fascinating quite interesting yeah, there's you a, mentioned in the mood for love yeah. kind of not dissimilar there's a, there's a similar um, Japanese film I think is it The Emperor in August or something I can't remember the exact oh. name that's sort of, sort of hmm. set during a similar period of time it's, <laughs> it's really interesting um, I do feel particularly sorry for the poor actress Tang Wai. Um, whereas Tony Leung carried on working quite happily afterwards, she was completely ostracised from China's movie industry really? after making this because, uh, because the they disapproved of her sexual acts. So all advertisements featuring her were removed, any endorsements were discontinued, which wow. didn't work for like, over three years really? at all. She actually ended up at the University of Reading studying drama. <laughs> Believe it or not. How bizarre, both in terms of the geography and also the yeah. stunning drama. Isn't she already uh, made a name in drama? This yes. <laughs> I don't. I don't know. It seems odd, but yeah. I mean, that was that was a tough gig, really, wasn't it? And you know, you, yeah. As you said, you a lot of that film is not an easy watch, but it, it's 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 thoroughly absorbing. Yeah. It's, it's an emotional um, piece. It's kind of a relationships piece, isn't it? He's a political figure. She's a young yeah. girl, and they're just. She uh, falls in love with him. Yeah, it's a kind of collision course sort of scenario. Try not to give too many spoilers, obviously. Yeah, yeah. But, but worth seeing, I think. It didn't make my top five, actually, but it's, um, it is a good film. I'd recommend it. Yeah. yeah. So, on to number four. Yes. So, I've gone at number four. I was deliberating this. This is where I had a little bit of trickiness thinking which order to put things but um, I've gone with Eat, Drink, Man, Woman I've gone with Eat, Drink, Man, Man yeah. Woman at number four as well okay Phil well you've got notes I haven't so <laughs> I don't know if you want to just dive straight in then and oh we'll this is a, this is a beautiful film so it follows the life of the, the and again apologies for my pronunciation the Zoo family which is basically a widowed chef and his daughters yeah. who navigate the challenges of love, life, tradition and family so this is the third in um Ang Lee's Father Knows Best trilogy, um, de- which basically deals with the, the tense transition of Confucius ideology from tradition to modernity. Uh, speaking like quite a lot of the other titles, it's, the title comes from the Confucian Book of Rights, the full quote being, the things which men greatly desire are comprehended in meat, drink and sexual pleasure. Hmm. Yep. Missed off football. <laughs> um, it's, exactly. It's it's a kind of a kind of a sort of slice of life film. Uh, the characters are all very very different, very very interesting. 
Um, each character has their own desire, the own thing that they yeah. think they want, but they they can't pursue it because of their role within the family, and they can't yeah. express themselves, and they can't complain about it. I mean. A, a, a kind of a philosopher or, or, a, or a psychotherapist would have absolutely field day with analysing the characters in this. Yeah, it's a real deep dive into. It's, they're uh, all pursuing nuances, isn't it? Yeah, they have a kind of the family that has the food as the bond that holds the, the family yeah. together. Yeah, uh, the, the father eats with his daughters, and he loses his sense of taste as the family and the family structure disintegrates. Yeah. And everything seems to be getting worse, but as they're able to kind of um, open themselves up a little bit, the more happier everybody gets. And, yeah. it, and what I'm following it is it's fascinating. Mm. Yeah, it is. It is fascinating. Again, it's, it's seeing a different culture that you've not, not seen before, perhaps, and then immersing yourself in this story. These characters are well-drawn. Again, it's the same theme as usual for his films. Um, you know, he paints a really good picture of family life. And that, as you said, those very different, eclectic, individual characters within the family structure um, really beautifully shot we mentioned earlier his films are always beautiful yeah. to look at and this the is food well. in this just makes you really hungry I'm just going to say watching, yeah. <laughs> just watching him cook all these meals and you just think I'm glad we just yeah. had some food I'm glad we just had some food yes <laughs> um, yeah, and it, yeah it really is um, the, the, that's the sort of centrepiece isn't it actually yeah. the food everything revolves yeah. around, around sitting down for the, the family meal yeah well, they, I had a look on Rotten Tomatoes. They've, they've got a critics' consensus section where it says a richly layered look at the complex interactions between a widowed chef and his daughters, and Lee's generational comedy, Eat, Drink, Man, Woman, offers film go as a tasty cinematic treat. Again, yeah, the words uh, definitely sum up what it's yeah, about. Yeah, and you also never quite know where it's going as well. It's quite quite an unpredictable yeah. one. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, I mean, there's not much more. I've, from my side so of it, have you got it, any other uh, well yeah I mean there's, there was the inevitable American remake in 2001 I haven't seen it it's uh, supposed to be quite good that was called Tortilla Soup never yeah, I've never seen it honest, I've not even heard of that no um, there was a Chinese sequel called Joyful Reunion with a completely set new set of characters in 2012 which is apparently terrible <laughs> and it was also made into a musical in 2019 in China and it closed after one day <laughs> <laughs> Brief. I've not but heard it, of any of that. It was a, a kind of critical and box office success. Yeah. I mean, after this film, it was when uh, Lee kind of moved away from uh, filming in, in, tai- in Taiwan a lot and, and sort of moved over to Hollywood. Yeah. It was his first film after this was, was Sense and Sensibility, which we may or may not be discussing earlier. What got him the Sense and Sensibility gig was yeah. not this film, but the Wedding Banquet film that, that he did before. Right. Um, he has, and, but you can see in this in this film, you can see it's sort of part of a kind of trilogy in that mm. the family relationships. Yeah. I think a lot of people thought that he had a really really good grasp of them, and that would be a really good fit for sort of Jane Austen's England, mm. um, yes. which was his first Hollywood film, I think. Yeah, it was. Yeah, and I think they were also thinking yeah. uh, that the, the the powers that be at the studio that if it's just a, a, an English film or British film made by British people then it's only really open to the British market but if you bring in an Asian director yeah. then it becomes yeah. a bit more the worldwide box office you would hope would, would, would be sort of somewhat larger but it's, it's yeah. a great film I, I yeah I, it was one of the very first films I watched with my wife when we got together and I, I hadn't even heard of it at the time it's oh. some years ago now and yeah. I absolutely loved it yeah it's the first, first one of his films that I'd seen I, I then off the back of that looked up and watched um, The Wedding Banquet 
yeah, many years ago, which is film. a good film as well. It's yeah, not on my yeah. five. It's but not. It's, a, no, it's not a good. It's a good no. film. I recommend that too. But I've watched, that managed to watch all of his films apart from the very first one, Pushing Hands, which I haven't managed to sort of hunt down and get a copy of <laughs> in, yes. in pursuit of doing this. And yeah. Uh, but yeah, his, his uh, early films. They're very, very diff, diff. Well, they're not that. They're not that different. They obviously don't have the budget of his later films, and they don't have the the scenery and etc. But but they're full of kind of you know internal family conflict and obligation and, yeah. and repression and the sort of themes that come up. Yeah, in a lot sort of, his of richness films. too, isn't it? To, to the to the film, isn't it? Yeah. In all, all senses. Fantastic. Yeah. So what have you got for, for number three then? Yeah, so last one before we have a break. Um, it's our number threes. And I I'm, was again deliberating here. But I did change the order actually. I did have this at number yeah. two for a while. I thought, no, that's uh, probably not fair on the one that I did put at number yeah. two. So I've, uh, in the end, I've, I decided to plump for The Ice Storm. Oh, okay. Uh, which I really liked. I, I work in a cinema in Southampton, as you know. Um, yeah, Batman, 20 something. 24 yeah. years ago now, I think it's late <laughs> yeah. 90s. Wasn't exactly, it? and this film was on, and and I really liked it. I, I it was know. it was very. Um, it came out about the same time as American Beauty, and they kind of a lot of similar themes, weren't there? That, that, yes, yeah, that's right. Um, I didn't really even know about what an ice storm was at the time, so it was all it's all a curiosity. Yes. It's set in the frozen uh, American. Um, well, sort of backwaters, I guess, isn't it? Yeah, pretty much in the um, early seventies, isn't yeah. it? Is it seventy three? Yeah, like that? yeah, that's right. Yeah. Yeah, 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 and it's yeah, very heavily sort of set. There's a lot of films I think set in the seventies, which started to come out around that point. Yeah, I, think, yeah. I remember there was a glass. Yeah, this was based on the novel by Rick Moody. Yeah, and this this really had a, a real solid grounding. You really felt the era as well. I think they yeah yeah. He's got the clothes. Really he's got the attitudes. The cultural yeah. references yeah. Are, are all sort of set and correct. It's quite sort of sepia toned, isn't it? As well, it's sort of yeah. Thing. It's a, it's a feel to it like that. It's beautiful to look at. Um, ultimately, the story is nineteen um, seventies, and how the wholesome family begins cracking at the seams over the course of a tumultuous Thanksgiving break. Yes. Of course, again, a classic American theme. Ang Lee's going yeah. into here Thanksgiving. Um, frustrated with the job, with his job, uh, the father of the family, Ben, played by Ke- uh, Kevin Klein, yeah. who seems to have disappeared off the face of the earth. Well, he's, he's, he's in his mid seventies now, Is I he? think. So, oh, yeah, I, I mean, this film's twenty five years ago, and he must have been pushing fifty when yeah. that came out. But yeah, it's yeah. Well, he, he never quite had the the post fish called wonder career that you were quite no. quite expecting. No, yeah, I'm surprised. But yeah, frustrated Ben seeks fulfilment by cheating on his wife, Eleanor, played by Joan Allen, another fine actor. Um, with neighbourhood seductress Janie, played by Sigourney, Sigourney Weaver, Weaver yes. which is an interesting role for her. Um, the, the synopsis continues: Their teenage daughter Wendy, played by Christina Ricci, yeah. uh, dabbles in sexual affairs too with Janie's son Mikey, played by Elijah Woods. So That's quite a good yeah, cast. Yeah, 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 definitely. Um, it's just before Lord of the Rings, wasn't yeah. it? Yeah, and the family's strained relations continue to taunt. Uh, or to Torton, sorry, until an ice storm breaks. Yeah. So that's the general. And it's got Ali, Alison Janney in it as well. It has, yeah, who's yeah. another actor I like a yeah. lot. She's very, very good in She's everything. Brilliant, in it. Yeah. absolutely brilliant in everything. Yeah, yeah. One, in, one for the future. Interesting film. Didn't make my top five. Mm. Um, I because I found as we've gone through in previous podcasts, I found most of the characters quite unlikable. <laughs> Yes, they are. They are. <laughs> they're, they're not very self-centered. Yeah, mm. they're all after what they they want, and they're all yeah. 
they're basically a load of uh, uh, hipsters in the early 70s who, mm. yeah, who yeah. were out for whatever they can get, quite frankly. Yeah, I mean, I, I thought it was in Christina Ricci, I think, had already been she in was great, stuff yeah. by she then. She hasn't been in much recently either. Yeah, she's disappeared. But she was, I think, came to fame with Adam's family, didn't she? I yeah, think? yeah. And maybe some other She was about 15 around. or 16, I think, when they made this. Yeah, and she's, she's excellent in it. She's, yeah. she's very... Um, Likeably unlikable, yeah, <laughs> something like that. But but all of the characters. Toby Maguire's her brother, uh, if I remember correctly. I yeah, yeah, I think yeah, so. yeah, it's yeah. A while. yeah. It's quite a while since I've seen this. Yeah, but yeah. I can't remember that. But yeah, good cast, good solid acting. I don't know. This is a thing in general, broad terms, uh, film subject wise. Um, does it depend when you see things? I just seem to have been in the right mood to watch that. And it really clicked yeah, to me. Yeah, I, I watched it a couple of weeks ago, and it mm. left me a little bit cold. Yeah, but I could. I, I kind of like the 70s vibe, Yeah, I, I just thought, what a hideous collection of <laughs> irresponsible, <laughs> unlikable characters. Yeah, but it, it, I think it just resonated at that moment when yes, I saw it. And yeah. I think on re- on revision, if I watched it again, maybe it would drop further down. But I definitely thought, yeah, number two might be a bit too high for this. Yes. But I, I, did, I think it was a good, one of his most solid, yeah. there's, there's not a misstep anywhere in there, is there? It's a very solid no. work. Um, but yes, that was that was my number three. So I'm suspecting that's where the uh, the difference is because I don't have lost caution in my top five. Yes, so uh, that might be the only difference between us. I'm suspecting. At this yes, stage. very very we'll possibly. Find out shortly. Yes. As we move, what is there any more on Ice Storm? No, no, no. It's it's, it's an interesting one. If you like films like American Beauty and tales of sort of suburban angst and fat, sort of both parents and teenage children going off the rails and looking to reinvent or discover themselves it's a, it's a very good example of yeah. that kind of film yeah yeah absolutely so for my number three um i've gone for life of pi ah yes uh, uh which oh, beautiful 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 film uh based on the 2001 novel of the same name by Jan martel it's kind of it's bookended by a kind of a journalist interviewing an, an individual in canada and where as he tells his life story um, from his sort of early life in India um, and how he at 16 he survived a shipwreck adrift on a lifeboat in the Pacific Ocean with only a Bengal tiger for company (laughs) yes you heard that right and he discovers this a while after he's Yes. Alone as yeah, well. yeah. Yeah. Um, not too long. It was. Life, but it's quite fun. I mean, uh, M Night Shyamalan, Alfonso Cuarón, Jean Pierre Jeunet, um, they were all attached previously. The book oh. was considered to be unfilmable. Um, you can kind of understand why. Um, I think it was offered to Ang Lee. He said yes, but I mean, the bearing back this is this is going back ten, eleven years, two thousand ten. He said I need one hundred twenty million dollars to do it because I want I want to do it in three D. This is pre pre Avatar as well. Right. And um, it's going to take a lot of money on and the, the CGI that I want to put into this is going to be it's going to take a lot. It's going to be very 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 expensive. Yeah. This is twenty twelve, uh, wasn't it? Yeah. yeah. When the film originally came mm. eventually came out, so to speak. Um, and I think the studio balked and they gave him the money. Um, the cast were sort of mostly unknowns. I mean, um, eventually Ray Spall played the kind of journalist who kind of bookends the film. They originally filmed it with Toby Maguire, who he worked with on the Ice Storm. And he was seen as so sort of jarringly recognisable that they binned all of that and completely reshot it again with a different actor. For the, for the, uh, for the lead, they went with a... Um, they had 3,000 men auditioned for the lead for this, and in the end it went to a 17-year-old student called uh, Suraj Sharma, 
who had extensive training in ocean survival, yoga and meditation. And since then, I think he's basically turned up like a lot of uh, Asian and Middle Eastern actors. He's the baddie in 24 or Homeland or yeah. <laughs> one of those sort of shows. I think yeah. that's what he's been up to since. But he's fantastic in this. Um, he's great, isn't he? It? This sort of sense of wonder that everything mm-hmm. he comes across. It was filmed uh, in India and Taiwan and the, the bookends in Canada. Um, the ocean scene shot at a giant wave tank that was built in an abandoned airport that con- contained 1.7 million gallons of water. Wow. <laughs> and I have to say, I think, I mean, we've, been, we've had CGI for, say, around about 30 years, give or take now, since sort of Terminator 2 brought it to, to or the abyss or whatever, brought it to the, the fore. I think this is the best use of CGI in a film ever. Mm, interesting. I have to give that further thought. It's a very good use of it, definitely. Yeah. Um, I've read the book, um, Young Man's Hell, isn't it? The author. Yes. Um, oh, I and I, read it. I, I, I liked it. I it's a really good book. Really enjoyed it. And it was an interesting concept. It's and I agree with A different that. world. India, just in this, is beautiful. Yeah. It's got all of the locations absolutely oh, yeah. spot on. 100%. You think of you kind of, the kind of. Mm. You can't. Yeah. Yeah imagination thinks of India and all of these, these amazing places yeah. and that's exactly what you see on screen. Mm. Yeah, it's very, very colourful, both in terms of the, the, the story, the way it's presented, the characterisation, but also yeah. literally colourful as well, the screen. Um, I, I, having read the book, I agree with uh, those that were saying it, it would look like it might be unfilmable. Yeah. It's one of those, and quite often you hear that about films that have... Uh, books that have been made into films and somehow or other they've done it to varying degrees of success. Yes. I think by and large, I'd say it's a pretty good um, good effort at that and I do think it's um, it's quite faithful to He's the book as well. very much gone for the visuals with this, didn't he, I think. Uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. There's less of the kind of character that you get in quite a lot of his other films. I think yeah. he thought, I'm going to have a play around with yeah. 3D and, and see what yeah. I can do. I hadn't seen this in 3D when it came out. I never saw it. No, I don't. Seems a bit of a shame because yeah. I imagine it would have been a bit of yeah. a treat. I mean, the other, the other thing with reading it is um, I was just imagining as well, um, always with books, there's, there's always going to be more detail by nature. It's impossible not to be in terms of, you know, there's bits you have to cut out if you're filming something unless you're going to do a very yeah. long form series or something but um one of the one of the elements that sadly had to be lost was the character richard parker which is the tiger basically um is you know described as just as a as, as a name you yeah. don't realize what he's talking about at first yeah and i think they they play on that for quite a while in the book yeah. before you start to realize he's got a tiger on the boat here yes 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 he starts saying well, this situation when i had I was on the boat with Richard and, it's a, and it goes on for a long time oh, yeah. in, about, oh, probably about half of the film is him adrift with the tiger yeah, you know? yeah. and it is it's kind of it's very Hollywood in one sense isn't it that kind of yeah. storyline it's like right we've got someone's got to survive in a boat against the odds against the elements and throwing in this extra detail it's almost ridiculous yes <laughs> but it's been done in other things I mean was, is it all, all all for one or something the film with Robert Redford I can't remember the title of it something like that um, where he's shipwrecked. Oh, it was a ship on the boat. It was a well, way on the boat. Yeah, I can't remember the exact yeah. name. Yeah, it was basically you hear yeah. him in every scene on the boat. Yeah, yeah. I haven't seen it. Yeah. It's know. actually holds up well. But these these concept films of one location. Yeah, uh, we talked about it. It's the 127 hours, wasn't it? Yeah, one yeah. Film. Well, lifeboat. Um, lifeboat. Hitchcock. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Where of course uh, there's a number of characters together on yeah. the boat in that particular case. But usually these isolated figures stuck on their own um, and. You can work. It's, it's amazing how many times people do a good job of working that concept through yeah. for a whole length of the film. And uh, yeah, 
I, I think it's a great film. It didn't make my top five, but I did really enjoy it. Yeah, um, it's, I mean, I can't, I can't, we can't emphasize enough how beautiful this film is to watch. Um, every CGI shot is completely artistic and beautiful and accurate. It's not one of your mm. Marvel films where they, it's all explosions in outer space and it all becomes a bit bland after a while. Um, they spent a year of research and development on top of any work that they'd already done, the, the, the effects company, to kind of develop the tiger. Um, and it just is completely and utterly believable. I feel quite sorry for poor old Rhythm and Hughes, the company that did the effects on this. Um, they went bankrupt at about the time of the oh, film's no. release. <laughs> Oops. Citing unfair competition from subsidised and tax-exempt foreign studios. And so when the, the, the uh, Oscars happened, there were a lot of uh, protests both inside and outside the Oscars. Hmm. And when uh, the visual effects supervisor from the, that company won the Oscar for best visual yeah. effects, he got up to do his speech and they thought he was going to go on a rant and they turned his microphone off. <laughs> And when Ang Lee did his speech, he thanked lots and lots of people, didn't thank any of the visual effects people. So I think they were a little bit miffed about yeah. that. That's interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, when the film came out, there was a lot of studio worries. They basically thought, we've sunk a lot of money into an unfilmable book set in India with no stars. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> we're never going to get our many money back. It made $610 million worldwide. Um, and it did it particularly well in China and India, as you would probably expect. Mm. Um, yeah. I watched a film with my kids, and they and they were drawn into it, and they found it fascinating oh. and loved it. Excellent, that's great. Um, I should mention on the acting front, the one one actor there, Irfan Khan, who plays, I think, the, the dad does he? I can't remember yeah, the, yeah. Um, he's he's quite a, a a good actor. He's been in a lot of stuff. Um, uh, there's a film called, I think it's called Lunchbox set in India oh, okay. um, which um, is brilliant it's my super. knowledge of Indian cinema is horrific because yeah. I'm not a big Bollywood fan yeah well, no this is um, it's, it's, a, it's a drama of, uh, kind of like in the English language I yeah. think it's in the English language actually where about this woman who's sending lunch boxes supposed to be for her husband but some kind yeah. of mix ups occurring and he's getting them instead this guy and falling in love with her food it's yes. a great, great story um, that's that guy so it's great really, oh, really yes. good actor yeah. he's, he's, I think he's had a few peripheral roles in Hollywood films as well I think was he in um, Slumdog Millionaire or? yeah yeah, yeah. Was, yeah. and um, also Gerald Depardieu I was noted yes. is in that I've forgotten he, he was in that yeah. yeah he was pretty much the only recognisable actor in the whole thing really yeah yeah crazy stuff but um, yes it's good the namesake as well uh, that yeah uh, that uh, Irfan Khan's in as well oh, it's another okay. good film worth seeing another drama yeah, yeah. So a, a film that I wished I'd seen at the cinema, but I didn't, and it's never going to be quite the same. But it's a beautiful, beautiful, beautiful visual treat. Yeah, wonderful. So that's Should we take a you. short break and get some more drinks? Yes, I might be able to manage a beer now at long last. <laughs> My hangover is reducing. <laughs> so yes, that's it. So just to summarise where we're at, so I've gone number five, I've gone Brokeback Mountain. You I went, went for Last Caution. Number four, we both went for... Eat, Drink, Man, Woman. And at three, I had The Ice Storm you had. And I had Life of Pi. There we go. So the, the top two coming up in the final part. Right, I'll get a beer in. Cheers. Cheers. 
So suitably refreshed we are. Yeah, back, I'm on a hazy, on? hazy pale ale now. It's very nice. Oh, is that the Sussex one? Yeah, yeah, yeah it's good. Nice. And I'm on, I can't remember what you just bought me. It's hey. a malt something stout. Malt Brilliant. Better. I can't remember. Cheers. Yeah, one I have last. One and only so far pubcast <laughs> yes. that we've done. Pubcast, that's got to be the future, isn't it? <laughs> I'm in London, Phil's normally in Sussex, but he's up for my birthday mm. weekend. And that's why we're able to meet in the pub for once. <laughs> yes. Also the fact that there's no lockdowns at the moment, which yes. is nice. Um, so we, yeah, we're back with our um, top twos now, top aren't we, twos. Phil? Yeah, um, yeah. It's me to go first, and I've probably just shown you that, haven't I? So you now know oh, what, what number two yes. is going to be for me. Um, it is, of course, Sense and Sensibility, the film we mentioned briefly earlier yeah. on. Um, his great transfer film. into yeah, it's a great film. It's his transfer into uh, into Hollywood and major player English language movies. Um, the general concept after the death of their father, three young girls find themselves in abject poverty. The responsibility to provide for the family lands uh, on the oldest of the sisters um, who are dealing with heartbreaks. And uh, Ang Lee directing, a uh, screenplay is by Emma Thompson. Emma Thompson, she won an Oscar for it as well. I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Who, of course, and she also appears stars in, it. in the film as well. Yeah, well, appears in the film, yeah. Uh, it's a Columbia Pictures film produced by Lindsay Doran and James Shumas. Um, it is I think a James Shumas and think and uh, Ang Lee got quite a long, long-standing yes. relationship. They worked on a lot of films together. Indeed, indeed. And this is nineteen ninety-five film. Um, yeah, his first film outside of uh, his native Taiwan. Yeah, yeah. So um, it's a classic. It's obviously it's based classic. On a very if you want to know the cast, then just watch any Harry Potter film and it's basically all the people that are in there. <laughs> and those are in this, for the most part, let's be honest. Well said, I love it. Yeah, Emma, Th- Emma Thompson, Imelda Staunton, Alan Rickman. <laughs> yeah. um, it is, of course, based on the classic Jane Austen yes. novel of yeah. 1811, um, of the same name. Um, yeah, it's... It's interesting. Um, she, as I said, she wrote the screenplay. Emma Thompson stars as Eleanor Dashwood. Of course, the yeah. names may sound very familiar. Kate Winslet as well. Which was one of her earliest early, roles, wasn't yeah. it? Yeah, and she was. She I think she just done Heavenly Creatures before. And that's I think, right. Yeah. Which I know you're a big fan of Peter Jackson yeah, films. Yes. Um, and yeah, that's right. I think that was the only thing beforehand. She she plays the younger of the sisters, Marianne, um, and it's her breakout role, really, wasn't it? I think pretty yeah. much. Um, um, but the whole cast of it, I mean, it's a big cast. There's yeah, a lot of characters. You've got Greg Wise, Hugh Laurie, everybody you would Alan expect. Rickman. Snape. yes. Snape's he's right. fantastic. Alan Rickman's just a bet. <laughs> we should do top Alan Rickman films at some point. He's just a mate. It means we can talk about Die Hard. Exactly. Right? <laughs> Why not? Die Hard and Harry Potter. <laughs> yes. um, I mean, this is, this is a, I think, a fairly faithful um, yes. adaptation of the, of the classic novel. Cinematography by looks Michael beautiful. Couture. Yeah. Again, Ang Lee. He's got, they've got all the locations right. Considering that this was... He's not operating in his native language in a, mm. in a kind of very culturally different aesthetic to what he'd previously done. I think he was in his own... Yeah. He must have been just in his yeah late 30s, early 40s when he made this. Yeah. Sort of made the first move. And I think he absolutely nails it. Yeah, absolutely. And it's... As I say, it's very faithful kind of telling the story um, I think it's it's very ostensibly very British but as, as you said um, you know you have somebody who's not British makes us does happen handsome. every now and then that's yeah. happened there, there was um, oh, was it Nicole Kidman um, horror film was it the others I yeah. think they, they, they had a kind of uh, South American director and he just absolutely nailed it as well yeah. bring something else to the party yeah, yeah. in a weird sort of way make it even more 
um, appealingly British in a mm. strange sort of way because I think that's Kazuo Ishiguro the, yes. the no- novel, novelist for example Japanese origins you know he's, he's amazing books like Rains, Rains of the Day and yeah. he brings something else that observation he's got thing, that outside looking in thing exactly. that, yeah. yeah and you know again this is, this is what happened here with this with Ang Lee um, it's music's beautiful as well Patrick Doyle you have to get the music right with something like this don't you, you really do yeah. um, who's a Scottish film composer um, and a long time collaborator with Kenneth Branagh for what that's worth anyway Patrick Doyle good, good um, composer so all of the components are there um, anyone that's read or seen adaptations yeah. of Jane Austen stories will know that there's, there's yeah fun it's not films. reinventing the wheel but yeah. it's just done yeah. to an exceptionally high degree of skill and talent yes yeah, yeah. yeah. They've got all the right people in all the right roles. The casting is absolutely yeah. impeccable. They're, they're They've got the right locations. The film's paced very, very, very well. Sometimes with some of these ad- adaptations, they kind of lose their way a bit middle or towards the end. It whizzes along. It's yeah. fun. You, you enjoy spending time with the characters. Yeah. It's, and, and no spoiler, you know, it ends with a happy ending that will keep everybody yeah. very very happy it's the sort of film your mum will love yeah exactly yeah. and I think Jane Austen's novels are the general perception is there for women women is predominantly the readership but actually yeah. I've, I've read Pride and Prejudice and this novel uh, Sense and Sensibility and they're both excellent fun they're really yeah. really readable very appealing the characters are always very colourful very lively and there's a lot of um, lot of detail as well so yeah. there's plenty of inter- interactivity going on between them um, to, to keep the story just very very interesting. It feels fresh, and as you said, it just zips along at a, a good pace. And um, the books and films, when they're done well, this one in particular, yeah, absolutely. It's another quite a long film, I think. It's another yeah, it good is, two, yeah, two and a half hours. hours yeah, yeah. And as you said, it, it's. I think any film could be too. It could be very short and still too long. It could be very long and and the right length. Yeah. It's, it's as you said. It's about the pacing and the, obviously the casting and how engaged you are with the story but the pacing is, is a vital element it's about knowing what to leave out even if it's a really good scene something like that they might have done I don't yeah. know but it's just right one of the things I think a lot of these sort of films struggle with the concept of is the language of the dialogue so if pe- people speak differently now to how they did 200, 150, 200 yes. years ago whenever, whenever it's set um, that is right that's correct. And so. they, so you get some films. I mean, there's a horror film called The Witch where they all speak in 17th century English mm-hmm. and it's almost unwatchable. I mean, other people I know you don't like that. Do you? I can't stand it. I'd Whereas call, this, I call it. <laughs> yeah, anyway. it's very much um, the language is, it feels like the language that they would be using, mm-hmm. uh, but it also, you're not. You, you're yeah. not lost in it. It, it, yeah. it. it doesn't drive you away from the story. The yeah. fact that they, they're they're speaking in a particular way, you know, it, it, if anything, it makes the characters more endearing. Mm. Yeah, what you do with language in films is always quite interesting. Um, William Shakespeare's Romeo and Juliet, the Baz Luhrmann film, for example, mm. really revitalised Shakespeare, which is seen as very kind of long-winded and snuffy to a whole generation of yeah. people at school. It draws more people in. It's, it's a yeah. winner. And it's, it can, it's how you filmed it and what you've done with it. Yeah. Again, the bits you leave out or put in and change around. Um, and that can make it completely engaging. And so, certainly, yeah, with, with sense and sensibility, I think it's got all of the contributory factors of uh, the component parts are all yeah. in the right place. And it's, it's just a really good, solid, entertaining um, light-hearted, yeah. largely, yeah. Um, film. It's just... Well, I was... 
I was stuck between Sense and Sensibility and Last Caution and The Wedding Banquet for my fifth yeah. place. Ah, uh, right, yeah. I, as I said earlier, yeah, I wanted to talk about Last Caution more than I wanted to talk about the other one, so yeah. that's the only reason I chose it. Because of the <laughs> No, 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 just, just the, whole, the whole historical area oh. and, uh, and the whole period I, I find kind of quite mm. fascinating, mainly yeah. because I know so little about it. Mm. Um, and, uh, but Sense and Sensibility could quite easily be my number yeah. five, no problem yeah, at all. Yeah, fair enough. And um, I think it's in impeccability and it's sort of extremely watchable nature is why it's gone higher up my mm. list than it would have been on yours if it had a bit of another fight. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I really, really like that film. I haven't seen it for a long time, actually. And, I watched I, it with my oldest daughter recently and we both loved it. Yeah, I, th I think it's one of those films I'm almost completely sure that it won't have dated badly or anything like no. that upon another viewing. So, um, yeah, it's a thumbs up for that one. And I, I now know what your top two is for sure. I wasn't quite sure. Yeah. So my, my, my number two, we've already discussed it, is Brokeback Mountain. Yeah. I, I mean, yeah, I never really expected it to be quite mm. this high, but I, I, I absolutely loved it. Did you watch it, it again recently? Yeah, oh yeah, I, I watched all of, yeah, all yeah. of his films apart yeah. from the first one within the mm. last sort of six or five, six weeks. Yeah. Yeah, some of them have been a bit more of an effort than others. <laughs> um, and the, but that, yeah, that I, I, it was, I found it a lot more affecting than, yeah. I, than watching it recently and I think the whole the vistas and the performances and the characters and the relationships oh, yeah it, it, it could quite easily have been my number one if it weren't that he'd done a kung fu film <laughs> <laughs> nice so should we uh, move on to number one yes can anybody guess what our number ones are going to be well it's obvious with me it's, <laughs> it's a wuxia film and I, I, that's my thing. Yeah. <laughs> I'm by no means an expert, but I think I know more than most. I think this is one of the films I was probably most sure would be at number one of, of yes. one of your lists. Uh, I, I have absolutely no doubt whatsoever. It's uh, completely the case. I'm loving this snout very nice. I'm loving that you're back on the beverage. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it's the comeback beverage. Yes. <laughs> um, that was the uh, landlord that's coming. Anyway, um, so yeah, I mean, Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon. Yeah. 2000. Um, Fantastic. It's, as you said, it's another change of genre for him as well. It is. Which was interesting. Yeah. And what was interesting was how well he did it. It was, uh, it was a great film. Was, it, people, it takes a lot. It's not often that you get a, a director from an, a so-called kind of art house background trying yeah. his hand in the action genre and it, it doesn't really and quite often when they do do it they hand over the reins to a kind of like an action director to do certain scenes etc yeah. etc yeah. and I think he, I mean much the same way that um, Quentin Tarantino did with Kill Bill um, same action coordinator you Mo Ping but we'll get into that yeah um, uh, <laughs> <laughs> he basically took the ball by the horns and thought right I'm going to do one of those sort of those films yeah. and I'm not going to do half-heartedly I'm going to do it properly and I'm going, I'm going all in yeah. it's, it's amazing what can be it's a, can be a, a great job isn't it it's, and it's, it's obviously it's in, it's in the other language as well so it's not it's not in English language subtitles but I've known a lot of people who shirk away from watching films with subtitles who did watch that film and yeah. I, I know people tend to kind of feel they might make an exception if they're yeah. some, some of those people but, I, I, but I'm talking about people that are not particularly into kung fu films either yeah. or any, any other genres similar to that so they, they've just gone into it completely blind and loved it and mm. found it really engaging the, um, 
the wire work, is that the correct term, yes, Phil? Yeah. Is ex excellent. It's yeah, so the only good. CGI in this is removing the wires. Yeah. So when we talk yeah. about wire work, we talk about people running up buildings and, yes. and the actors. I mean, most, most of, of the reality here. <laughs> most of the vast majority of the stunts in this were done by the cast and not by actors. Yeah, which is great as well. Whenever that can be done, it's yeah, yeah. an extra element, isn't it? Yeah, Definitely. and there's no CGI messing about. There's, it's it's. Yeah, it's well, just it's done full properly. Yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. I could see by the smile on her face how much oh, I like could this talk film. about this for <laughs> such a long time. So, I mean, there's not a lot of story, but essentially, a young Chinese warrior played by Zhang Ziyi, and again, apologies for my pronunciation, <laughs> um, she steals a sword from famed swordsman Chow Yun Fat, one of my favourite actors ever, yeah. and then basically escapes into a world of romantic adventure. It's based on the uh, Wang Dulu novel of the same name. It's the fourth book of a five-novel series. It doesn't even bother trying to explain why they're doing that. <laughs> it just drops you in and says, yeah. off you go. Um, Chow Yun-Fat's sort of love interest, but a, a, a formidable um, mm -hmm. uh, character in her own right is played by the amazing Michelle Yeoh. Lovely Michelle Yeoh. Yeah. I mean, come, I, I remember I was in, during the summer of 2000 when this film was just about to come out, I was actually in Hong Kong um, mm. and I was just seeing pictures of it, posters for it on the, on the metro stations yeah. and, and just thinking, oh, that's, <laughs> that's just got me written so all just over it. This, this taste so, bud. So Beach, I mean, Chow Yun-Fat is, is the coolest actor there has ever been as far as I'm concerned. Um, if you're not familiar with some of his Hong Kong action film work. He's known for films such as A Better Tomorrow, One and Two, City on Fire, one of my favourite ever films called The Killer, uh, God of Gamblers, Once a Thief, and Hard Boiled, where he starred with Tony Lung uh, hmm. of uh, Last Caution. Um, Michelle Yeoh, uh, I mean, she's, she's been in a lot more kind of Western films recently, but at that time, she was famous for Police Story 3, Super Cop, which is fantastic. <laughs> tai Chi Master, Wing Chun. And she'd recently, just before this film, been in the Bond film, Tomorrow Never Dies, playing yes. kind of love interest yeah. there. And just the thought of those two in a film. Yeah, it's, that, that it's alone incredible. sold you, didn't it? Yeah. Then, yeah. as you said, you've got um, Ang Lee, who, I don't know if you, had you seen any of his films at that point until then? I'm not sure if I, I think I probably would have watched Sense and Sensibility, I would imagine, yeah. but that would probably have been it. Yeah. 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 And yeah, it's great, isn't it? A Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, the title. It's another, it's another, trans it's another translation mm. that doesn't kind of quite work. Yeah. I, I like it, it, it becomes catchy, from, <laughs> Excuse again my pronunciation. It comes from a poem by Yu Jin, and it, it's sort of a describing a place or situation that is full of unnoticed masters. Mm. And there are sort of several layers of the meat meaning, again, that don't translate into English at all. But the thing you don't you kind of really pick up is um, this is a kung fu film that is driven mainly by the female characters, yeah. which is not something I'd seen before, no, and I don't true. think I've really seen a great deal since. The three, the three main the sort of female leads, um, and most of all Zhang Ziyi with her Jen, she's just, she's been put, in, put into a, a sort of marriage that's being imposed on her. She wants to sort of escape from the sort of rules of gender. Very, very different from a Wuxia film. Um, uh, I hope, again, I'm pronouncing that correctly. So if you're un unfamiliar with the term, that's a genre of Chinese fiction that basically concerns martial artists in ancient China. And when we say ancient China, this film is set, I think it's in the Qing 
period, yeah. which is, um, it doesn't actually specify the time, which means it could be anywhere between 1644 and 1912. But what Ang Lee's done is he's, he's given you the China of your imagination. Mm. So he's given you what, it's not an accurate historical representation. It's a Western, it's very much a blend of Eastern and Western aesthetics, a lot of yeah. this film. And he's really gone for what most people in the West thought yeah. Think, think of when they think of China, yeah. and it's you know, you've it's got right. your, your forbid, sort of forbidden cities, and you've got your yeah. um, bars and the and the and villages, and you know, yeah, yeah, it's great. Fields, it's beautiful, the kind of mountains. Oh, yeah, this is probably the most visual of all his films, Part of Life of Pi, possibly, yeah, possibly, yeah, 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 absolutely brilliant. Ed, the editing as well is worth worthy of mention with these sort of films, getting that right as well, is yeah. an important detail. Uh, editor here being Tim Squires that's easier to pronounce than oh, okay. a lot of the rest of the people working on this film uh, <laughs> uh, cinematography by the way Peter Powell sounds almost like a children's character doesn't it um, <laughs> so I don't know if you've worked with Ang Lee before but the cinematography of this is oh, just it's, generally it's gorgeous yeah, it's and again there's no CGI there's mm. no augmentation some yeah. of the China in this I mean some of they, it, you, you see mountains you see deserts you yeah. see cities you see all of it and it's always immersive the sound is fantastic there's a particular sword fight fairly near the beginning where they've got it's all done with just sort of drumming yeah yeah yes. and it just builds up the tension yeah yeah tempo. it's just tempo, done yeah. so so cleverly yeah. I, I remember um watching in the uh, when DVDs first came out, you get the director's commentary. Yeah, yeah. There was about a three or four year period where every film had a director's yes. commentary, and then it's all, it's disappeared again. Yeah, I'm now. disappointed with that, by the way. Yeah, <laughs> I know. I just remember watching it, this film with the director's commentary, and there's a part where towards the end, where uh, one of the uh, female baddies. Uh, she has a sort of a, a, a sort of dagger come out the bottom of her shoe and Ang Lee's like, oh, yeah. yeah I st- stole that from a James Bond film I mean how many other from obviously from, could, yeah, could you like from, from with Love how many other sort of Chinese a- a action sort of wushu films have you got where they've got stealing this stuff from James Bond it's a real <laughs> mixture of East and West and it yeah. just absolutely nails everything I mean it, it's got um, amazing martial arts battles, it's got beautiful scenery, and it's got tasteful drama, and yeah. there are not many films that yeah. you can think of. I mean, afterwards, we had things like Hero and House of Flying mm. Jaggers that kind of came along with eight-bit success, yeah. and they are very good films too, don't get me wrong, but yeah. this was the, the one that kind of laid it down and said, if you take it seriously, this is, yeah. this is, what, you can, this is what can be done. Yeah. House of Flying Daggers does feel quite similar as well, mm. storyline-wise. But um, the other thing worth mentioning as well, we talked about how good it looks and how that you've got these uh, recurring qualities in his films. Good acting, good storytelling, yeah. good cinematography, all looks good. Um, this is certainly the case here. I'd say it's filmed in Mandarin, but the, 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 um, the US... The, 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 the interesting thing about, yeah. the, about it is um, yeah. there, there are four main characters. Yeah. So Zhang Zihai yeah. speaks Mandarin. Yeah. Fine. Um, the um, Chow Young Fat he's from Hong Kong mm. he doesn't speak Mandarin he had to learn it he speaks Cantonese yeah. Yeah. Michelle Yeoh is actually from Malaya so oh, she speaks right. Malay and English so oh, she had to learn all of her words phonetically mm. all of the dialogue <laughs> and Chang Chen um, is from Taiwan which means she's got a heavily accented Taiwanese Mandarin right. so I can imagine that if you watch 
if you speak Mandarin and watch the film, yeah. it's probably a slightly different experience to us. I mean, I know Ang Lee oversaw all of the subtitles, mm. and he really wanted the, yeah. it, the the kind of essence of everything to kind of come across. Yeah. But I can imagine it being a bit of a blend. Yeah, because subtitling... But for us, you don't even notice it. Yeah. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, that, that's not one for us to worry about. But yeah, subtitling, it's difficult to get right sometimes, isn't it? Things sometimes just aren't translatable directly. Um, I, I was just going to mention at this point as well, the budget um, was $17 million. Nothing we think not about it. I mean, it's 20 bad. years ago, but yeah. yeah. But even then, that wasn't bad. Yeah. And it was a hugely successful film. It made, apparently, $213.5 million US dollars. Yeah. So it's a hugely successful, worthy effort from the commercial point of view as well. Yeah. What's not to like about this film? <laughs> oh, I just love it. I absolutely it deserves love to be it. Popular, I haven't it? watched it for quite a few years until I watched it again recently, and you're just drawn into that whole world. Just literally from the. I mean, it's quite a simple film, and it, you kind of do know what's yeah. going to roughly happen most of the time. Um, one of this particular theme in it of of poison that yeah. kind of comes back. Yes. And it, it, yeah. Both sort of physically from characters being poisoned or the threat of poison, but from characters that are kind of poisonous. It's a real sort of theme that keeps keeps coming back uh, mm. back in the film. Yeah. Um, so as I mentioned earlier, so the action choreography, obviously Ang Lee's not one who's going to tell people how to mm. do the, the fight scenes themselves. Mm. They brought in one of my absolute favourites, Mr Yun Wu Ping. Um, so he's... He's done a lot of my favourite films. He's he's done Iron Monkey, Dranken Master, Fist of Legends. More recently, The West. He's done Lethal Weapon Four. He did all the Matrix films, the oh. Kill Bill films. Oh. He did It Man Three and Four with Donnie Yen. Fantastic films. Um, <laughs> yeah, he he actually directed the sequel, which is okay. That came out about five years ago. Mm. Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, Sword of Destiny. That one that is all filmed in English, with yeah. almost yeah. charted almost completely Chinese cast but, yeah. Um, yeah. but it's okay it's, it's, it doesn't quite capture the magic Michelle Yeoh's back for that mm-hmm. and they tried to get Zhang Ziyi back but she was like if there's no Ang Lee I'm not doing it so she's, she's not in it fair enough but yeah, yeah. I, I could go on about this film for hours yeah. I, I could go on about Hong Kong action kung fu films for a very very long time in case anybody hasn't already yeah. been able to tell yeah um, yeah on the box office I said it was the first um, foreign language film to break the 100 million dollar barrier in America and in fact 128 million of that 213.5 worldwide was yeah. in America so it was hugely successful there yeah most, most um, notably um, it also I don't I, I mean I, I, I don't know if we would have got Kill Bill and stuff like that if we hadn't had this before I'm not I'm, you know I think it paved the way for a lot of these kind of things it yeah. really boosted the popularity of Wuja films yeah. to the western world we suddenly had Jet Li and Jackie Chan establishing yeah. careers yeah. in Hollywood that they yeah. really didn't get before yeah. I mean Chow Young Fat has turned out in Pirates of the Caribbean films now yeah. you know Michelle Yeoh Currently on the the wonderful Star Trek Discovery, and she she seems to be in loads of things at the moment. Recently. Rightly or wrongly, one thing that really helps actors, directors, films in general is awards, and this one won forty awards globally. Yeah. Uh, it was nominated for ten Academy ten Awards, yeah, um, including Best Picture, and it did win the Best Foreign Language Film, but um, maybe should have won it, the, the it, best. I, I think remember. it was like. Uh, 
it was a record for a non-English speaking film right up until yeah. Roma a couple of years ago. Yeah. yeah. Best art direction, best original score, best cinematography, receiving the most nominations ever for a non-English language film at the time yeah. until 2018 for Roma. So, there you go. Yeah, something else worth noticing too. Um, <laughs> I mean, it does help, right? Yeah, it critical and commercial smash, I think. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. And dare I say, possibly one that we might be adding to our Golden Seagulls. I think uh, so, yeah. yeah. Yes, excellent. Um, speaking of which, on our next episode, we're going to do a special shorter episode next yeah. time out, which we will be recording today, but putting out later on. Um, so it'll come out in a few weeks' time. It's going to be our first inaugural Golden Seagulls episode, yeah. where we're going to firm up, finalise and confirm some of the, uh, the selections. We're going to go with just the best film elements for the time yeah. being, and then we'll elaborate on that perhaps later on. To anyway, be continued. Yes. Back to you, Phil. So, yeah, so I think that's it for mm. the wonderful... Crouching Tiger, oh, Hidden Dragon. What a film. What a a film. film that I cannot say enough good things about. Yeah. So kind of going back to the rest of uh, Ang Lee's uh, we've, um, filmography, we've, we, we've spoken about quite a lot of the other films. So other films that he's, he's, uh, he's, he's directed. Um, 1999, he made Ride with the Devil, which is sort of revisionist Western. It was, it, it, it was okay. It was interesting. It was kind of all gunslingers, etc., etc. I quite liked it. Um, 2003, he did Hulk, which was right before the kind of MCU, Marvel Cinematic yeah. Universe kind of kicked off. I remember at the time being quite excited about it because the way they were talking about it was just sort of, they were really looking at making this sort of Greek tragedy kind of <laughs> film. And essentially it's an hour of boredom and then half an hour of watching the Hulk destroy things yes. afterwards but the CGI of yeah, 20 great, years ago it? it's, it's, it's good but it's not like what we have now yeah. um, and it's sort of dated a little bit um, didn't, didn't much like it after some yeah 2009 he did Taking Woodstock which is sort of coming of age comedy drama um, it's interesting uh, films like American Graffiti and Days mm. and Confused do that thing a bit better but it it, it, it it's a pleasant enough kind of like Sunday evening watch or something like that. Yeah. Um, and then more recently, he's done uh, Gemini Man, which was most his most recent film, which is like oh, it's not that great. And Billy Lynn's Long Halftime Walk. Um, that's a. F- Have you seen that? No, no yeah, no, I forgot it's about It's a that. film. No, no, no. It's basically ba- it's ba- uh, based on the Ben Fountain novel. It's about a soldier with PTSD yeah. doing the aforementioned walk and reminiscing on his his life. Any good? And it's it's beautiful to watch. It's kind of got a bit of that life of Pi aesthetic. Mm. It's just not really that interesting. <laughs> it's okay. Yeah. It's okay. Um, it'd be interesting. I'm, I'm as I've, I've heard of it that his next film that he's working on now is called Thriller in Manila. Oh. That's boxing. I, I couldn't like find whether that's the Muhammad Ali George Foreman fight. I'd be, be surprised if it's not. Yeah. Maybe one that we probably should have done in our sporting films. But yeah, I've heard that's what he's working on at the moment. Yeah, so okay. we should we shall we shall see what um, comes out next. There's a few other films you've you've not mentioned though, Phil, which I I made up actually on my phone. I was I was speaking into my yes. phone to get notes. <laughs> up. And I, I saw I did a long list of films I was going to narrow down. Uh, they included Life of Tory. This, these are these are you spoke to your phone. I spoke to my phone for it to write the notes. Yeah. Yes, yeah, Life of Tory. Life of Tory instead of Pi. Uh, sexy, Sexy Beauty, <laughs> which is uh, 
Just, what is that? I'm not even sure what that is actually. No. Oh no, Sense and Sensibility. <laughs> sexy, I think that is. Sexy music. Yeah, Sense and Sensibility. Um, then Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon became Hope You Tiger, Hidden Dragon. Um, Lust Caution was Ghost Caution. Um, Eat Drink Man Woman became Heat. It, heat Treatment Woman. Heat Treatment Which sounds woman. a really intriguing film, doesn't yes. it? Yes. Um, I want to see Heat Treatment Woman. Brokeback Mountain, the phone knew about that one. That was fine. Um, launch with the Devil instead of Ride with the Devil. Okay. Uh, the On Storm instead of The Ice Storm. Um, and they were, it was okay with the wedding banquet. Um, yes. Ride with the Devil is a film that I, I really quite like, actually. Yeah. yeah it's, it's one we didn't really talk about when yeah. we were doing Westerns, wasn't yeah. it? Yeah. Um, the Wedding Banquet. That's that's a, that's that's a good. That's a really really nice film. It's about a kind of gay Taiwanese immigrant uh, in America who marries a sort of mainland Chinese woman yeah. to keep his family happy and get her a green card, and then his family turn up to arrange the wedding. And oh, yeah, it, it's that's a really fun, really really yeah. nice film. Yeah, excellent. Good, good. Well, I think that wraps things up, doesn't it? Really, just mm. to quickly summarise our top fives. So my top fives were Breakback Mountain at number five. Number four, I went with Eat, Drink, Man, Woman. Number three, The Ice Storm. Number two, Sex and Sensibility. And at number one, Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon. And Phil... So we had, we had three of the, of the same yeah. ones. So I had number five, Last Caution. Number four, Eat, Drink, Man, Woman. Number three, I had Life of Pi. Number two, I had Brokeback Mountain. And number one, obviously, the magnificent Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon. Brilliant. And a fine selection of films there, I think, we can all agree. Um, so that's it for this episode. Just to quickly do the uh, the usual notice board stuff. Yep. Uh, we're on Facebook. If we're on Facebook. Check us out. We're on Twitter. At Film Fives 1. one. That's yes, the number yep. one. On Facebook, Film Fives. Um, yep. Yep. Let, yeah, yep. Follow us. and uh, Yeah, if you want leave a review and all that everything else that helps us get more noticed and might bring us to the attention of other people yes indeed yes please and if you've got any messages um, questions uh, contributions you want to throw in um, feel free welcome to where possible we'd like to know what we're going to do next as a subject as I said we're going to do the golden seagulls next but um, after that the next main um, episode we I think are decided now aren't we we're, we're, we're looking at a bit of classic Hollywood classic aren't Hollywood. we We've del- we're delving back we haven't really something done something I'm, I'm rubbish at yeah. so I'm going to be throwing myself in hook line and sinker yeah. into 1930s and 1940s cinema that is non-Hitchcock yes. which I've never really done a great deal yeah. of because apart from westerns and Hitchcock we've not yeah. gone back very far so far and yeah we'll do with this one it's my forte amongst others so I'm, I'm yeah screwball comedies screwball comedies yes so we'll go into details on what that is for anyone that doesn't know later on but it's it's basically fast-paced punchy dialogue-led uh, comedies if i get loads of films with carrie grant in i'm, I'm all there <laughs> you will be a happy. few frank capra films i'm not happy yes you, you'll definitely yeah, be, I, uh, think, I think this is going to be this is going to be exciting i'm looking forward to it absolutely great so until next time then phil thank, thank you, for you very me. much and cheers and cheers